Welcome to the Life & Law Podcast. I'm Heather Mulder, former AmLaw 100 partner turned lawyer coach who, just five years into my legal career, found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. But I was determined not to become yet another lawyer burnout statistic. And so I redefined success on my own terms, enabling me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating the challenges of two kids and two bed rests, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I now help purpose-driven lawyers confidently retake control of their careers and create their next level of success and impact. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hey there, this is Heather Mulder with the Life in Law Podcast. I'm so excited, of course, as usual, to have you here with me today. And today we have a special treat because I am bringing a guest onto the podcast. And I think she is the perfect guest to follow up from last week's episode. So if you have not listened to it, please do so because you're going to see and hear why here shortly. So without further ado, let's get to our guest. Well, hey there, Allison. Welcome to the Life and Law Podcast. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm really excited about today's interview. And I think I mentioned this to you earlier, but um, just to recap, and for anybody out there who didn't listen to last week's episode, I want you to go back and listen, because I am putting this interview kind of in a specific spot to really highlight something I covered last week. And so last week's episode was about how to have more influence at work, no matter what level you are, no matter what you're doing. And one of the tips that I shared was make your own space. And what I mean by that is if you are passionate about something or you see there's a gap somewhere, like figure out what do I want to do about it and go do it. (laughs) You know, form a support group, um, start asking questions, start a podcast, which is actually something you did, <laughs> which is why I wanted to have you on the show. And I especially wanted to do that because you're not real senior. Um, mm-hmm. you started it when you were still very junior. And I think there's this fallacy that a lot of us, especially lawyers <laughs> fall prey to. And that is, well, I'll do that when I get more senior, when Mm -hmm. I already have more influence, instead of doing it whenever you think about it and um, realizing that you actually have to go out and do the thing to become influential in the first place. So all that being said, why don't you give us just a brief introduction as to who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Allison Stewart, and I am a litigation associate at Greenberg Traurig in Dallas. I just started my sixth year. So I graduated from law school in 2016. Um, I went to SMU for law school. I was born and raised in Texas. So I've been living in Dallas um, ever since, ever since 2012, I guess is when I started. My, my, my practice primarily focuses on commercial litigation, although part of it is also healthcare focused. So representing doctors, hospitals, insurance groups, things like that. As you mentioned, I also have a podcast. I host a podcast called women in law on the record. And the purpose of that podcast is to, um, interview guests in all different stages of their career so that we can talk about where they've been, 
uh, what lessons they've learned along the way, and basically what are they doing now to achieve their next goal. So um, I started that podcast about three and a half years ago, and it's an ongoing project and I, I love doing it. So what gave you the idea to even start the podcast? It was kind of a funny combination of, of events. So I'll tell you the biggest reason why I started it, or I guess the, what got me thinking about it was, as you mentioned, I was pretty junior. So I was only a second or maybe third year associate at the time. And I knew that I wanted to start something. I didn't know if it was an organization, if it was a website, a blog, you know, I didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew I needed to create something for myself, um, in terms of my practice and in terms of terms of my brand, uh, if I wanted to achieve certain goals in my career, one of my goals being building a practice, becoming a successful shareholder at my firm. And frankly, I want to be a rainmaker one day. I want a big booming practice. I want <laughs> lots of clients, complex work. And that all being said, I didn't know anybody who was going to get me there other than the people I work with, of course. <clears throat> I didn't have lawyers in my family. Um, I didn't come from this background where I had a lot of business owners in my family or friends of family. You know, I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it that way. I also didn't have a community that I felt like was my niche community. You know, for example, I had friends that are really involved in their church. And so they know a lot of people uh, from church that maybe they could get business from eventually, or um, ones that have family in the restaurant industry. So maybe they could build a practice focusing on the, the restaurant industry or something like that. So I thought, how, how am I going to meet people? And I don't want to do it just the ordinary going to conferences or going to luncheons mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. At the same time, I wanted to do something that I really liked. And I was listening to a lot of podcasts. I still do. And I just thought that's what I should do. I should start a podcast. (laughs) I was listening to ones by women entrepreneurs, women in business, um, different ones about trial lawyers and things like that. And I realized there was not one out there for women in law. So I decided I was just going to start it myself and I'd figure out how to do it. That is so awesome. So a couple of things that I wanted to highlight there, you are very intentional and strategic about, it sounds like you went through several different, like, okay, I don't know what I want to do, but here are all my options. And it was with the stated goal of becoming more influential. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, and this is where I think it's really important for people to understand is you need to be strategic about it. You need to be um, really sit down and think about, okay, what makes sense? and maybe brainstorm and talk to other people so that you can really think through, okay, A, what are all my options? B, what makes sense for me given what I'm good at and what I enjoy? And it sounds like you enjoy podcasting. You realized you would enjoy this. This was a really great way for you to get in front of people, to get to meet people, to make real connections, which by the way, y'all is all client development is, is making connections with people, right? Mm -hmm. And so this was a really great way to do it. And you did it as what, a third year, second or third year. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not too soon to start thinking about these things in your career. And I, I want people to really understand that. It is never too early to do that. It's not too late either. You can always get started whenever, but don't think that just because, well, I've only been practicing a year or two years or three years, 
that you don't have the capability of doing something for yourself, that really helps build a foundation for five years, 10 years, 15 years later, even, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, part of what the way, part of the reason why I was thinking that way and, and feeling uh, courageous enough, I suppose, if you want to call it courage, uh, to do something so time consuming early on and being a big law associate when you already have a full plate uh, at work was I was, I had read, it's just kind of a dorky concept, but I had read this <laughs> book of how to be a good associate in big law or something. Uh -huh. I mean, it's just like a basic, basic book. I forget the guy's name. I know his first name is Jay. I can't remember his last name, but anyways, one of his big lessons was you have to start building your practice from day one. And I just really took that to heart. You know, everybody <laughs> focuses a lot. You and I talked about this, Heather. It's very easy to focus on the billable hours and where am I at uh -huh. with my hours and things like that. And I truly just saw the, saw the podcast and I still do as an investment in me, I was going to uh -huh. sacrifice a certain amount of billable hours to dedicate towards this while still, you know, still doing what I needed to do at work, but I wasn't going to be one of those people. That's just going to be a workhorse. It was, uh -huh. that's, I didn't want to do that in the first place. And, um, I certainly didn't want to do that when I saw that there was this opportunity for me to create something that wasn't already in existence to put my name out there. And to do a little bit of good, you know, I didn't really mention that in my first response to you. And I wish, <laughs> I wish I had, but <laughs> some of the just big upside of this podcast is, you know, the content that I'm putting out there, these women mm -hmm. whose stories I'm sharing are inspiring. Um, so not only do my, do I get a lot of, um, lessons and, uh, you know, real education from it, my listeners do too. And then, you know, the, the guests, I always am pleasantly um, surprised to get their feedback on how they felt during the experience. You know, they've, they've said things like they feel like it's a time capsule for them so that <laughs> their, their children can listen to it one day and hear about how did mom get to where she is in her career and what was going on at this time in our lives, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. it's been, that's all to say, it's been very rewarding for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And for anybody out there who has not heard of this podcast or listened to it, I highly recommend it. It is not the traditional how to be a better lawyer podcast. There's a right. billion of them out there. Mine's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think it's a really good idea for us to listen to a non-lawyer podcast too, yeah. but B other things that are just more inspiring and allow us to hear people's stories. What I like about your podcast especially is it's more story oriented. Like you just kind of have this, you have guests on of all different levels, all different backgrounds. They're all lawyers, but they're all very different. And they get to share kind of their progression and how they got to where they are and the lessons they've learned and the things they struggled with and how they overcame it. So there is a lot of practical stuff in there, but it's, it's packaged differently. You know, it's not the yeah. traditional, okay, you're struggling with X. Here are the three things you need to do. You know, Correct. so it's just, it's really, it's different. And Thank you. I think that's what makes it so wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I like to think that it's that the stories are widely applicable and anybody who listens can take something away from it. I mean, I have non-lawyers who listen, mm -hmm. a lot of men who listen, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people who are at law firms listening to in-house counsel or vice versa. 
And although you may not be having the exact same experience, there's always something you can take away from it. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think there are men who listen to this because we, I don't target just women. Although I do think I'm more like 80, 20 (laughs) women (laughs) to men. Um, But just because it has women in the law on the record doesn't mean guys, you can't learn something from it too. So I do highly recommend it. I will say I got a lot of guys that are trying to get on the podcast (laughs) and that is, that is where I draw the line. I'm like, if you want to listen to a guy on a podcast, go listen to, I don't know, just about any other one in the law because it's mostly (laughs) men doing it. Um, well, you are called women in exactly. the law. Exactly. I know. It's just silly. That's hilarious. So, okay. So you had this idea. You decided on a podcast. Did you, I guess, struggle with, who am I to think I can do this? I'm not at the right level. I'm not, like, did you have any of those kind of thoughts, worries, fears, doubts, the stuff that gets in our way sometimes? At all? I did, or- no, I, I didn't have the thought of who am I to do this? But I do remember thinking, I don't want there, I don't want it, there to be some misconception that I'm less serious about my real work that I'm doing at work. I didn't, you know, cause I, I was tra- before COVID I traveled for all of my podcasts. I did all of them in person. So I would be away for two or three days at a time. Um, mm-hmm. you know, periodically I usually tried to batch them together so I could get them knocked out at once, but you know, I'd go to New York city or San Francisco or Chicago for mm-hmm. a few days and record two or three or four interviews over the course of a few days. And I was very worried about how that was being perceived by people in my office. Oh, she's off doing a podcast and you know what, you know, who's taking care of her work. Well, I'm taking care of my work. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, you just have to do double time during those periods. <laughs> and, and I will tell you, Heather, that was all in my head. That was mm. not anybody saying anything to me about we're, we're concerned about you or uh, you've lost focus. There, there was none of that. It was purely in my own head that I was worried about how I was being perceived as time went on. <clears throat> of course, as I developed it and folks you know, started listening to it, uh, started seeing my promotion of it and things like that. And then of course, observed me still getting my work done. It gave me a lot of pride that I was able to do all of that at once. But I I wouldn't say that I was insecure about my, my lack of seniority at that time or anything like that. I was just mostly concerned. I didn't want people to think I was less serious about my practice Mm -hmm. because I was doing this as well. And I think that's, that's something a lot of people would feel, right? So are you saying that, well, over time? I just learned that wasn't the case or did you like, how did you deal with it when you weren't sure whether that was the case or not? Well, initially I was really stressed over, over analyzing things in my head. I mean, I remember, um, a trip to New York where I was recording a podcast in person. Like I was doing a live, a live podcast and this is the silliest thing. One of my partners was right. It was revising a letter, a demand letter or something that I had written. And he was asking me questions about it as I was on my way to this live recording. And I was just so stressed. I'm like, I, I don't have, you know, I don't have my notes in front of me. I don't have my computer. I, I, you know, I try to do all this on the go if I can, but at that time I was really stuck. And I truly was just, I was overwhelmed at that moment. Mm-hmm. That was one of my moments where I was overwhelmed. So to answer your question, there were points where I didn't deal with it very well, but over time, 
not just as it relates to this insecurity of doing the podcast and working at the same time, but just life in general, I worked really hard to stop caring so much about what other people think, because Mm. I am so guilty of that. It's not that I don't appreciate and I want my, you know, I want good input, good feedback about my work product and all that stuff. Of course, I want all those things, but so much of my criticism was from myself. I mean, I really could not have more support at work than I do and that I've always had, honestly. Um, so any criticism or insecurity, things like that were so often just self-driven and that, that took my, that took me doing that work. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. it wasn't going to be anybody else, um, that was helping me work through that. Like I, I've been told that my whole life and, uh, it was just, it finally came to a head where I, I started doing counseling and various things, uh, for myself that helped me work through all of it. Good. Because so let me just say you're you're absolutely not alone. Um, in my experience, high achievers in general, and especially us lawyers overthink everything, question everything of ourselves and obsess over what other people will think. Yeah. It is a very common thing. It's something I work with a lot with my clients who are very, I mean, a lot of my clients are either senior associates about to make partner or partners. Mm -hmm. There are people that you look from afar and go, oh, they've got it. They have it all. They're a success. But on the inside, they don't feel that way. Right. And they finally have gotten to the point where they realize this is on me. This isn't really other people. This is me. And I'm creating my own stress and pressure and overwhelm because of this. I need to do something about it. Right. So I think even though you had, I'm sorry, you had to go through that. You got it more quickly than a lot of people do (laughs) (laughs) and got the help you needed to help with that. And the one thing I would say is it never 100% goes away, y'all. Sure. Like it's human nature to be this way to some extent. But it's really important that if you just acknowledge it and accept that, okay, this is a part of, you know, being a human, I have a tendency toward this, you can learn how to manage it better and to really take it down a notch and how to deal with it when they kind of show back up those thoughts, Mm -hmm. those feelings, those, you know, right. So kudos to you for doing all of that. Thanks. Um, Has the pandemic made it harder for you with, because I think some people would probably say, oh, it's probably easier now to record podcasts and stuff because you're forced to do it online. You can stay home. You don't have to travel so much. Has it made it easier, harder, just different? Like, how do you classify that? Yeah, I say it's probably a combination of both. And on the one hand, of course, it's easier being able to sit in my house and just jump on Zoom. It's only an hour commitment from me and the guest uh, doing it that way. So in that sense, Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier. However, so much of the value that I get out of doing this podcast is by really connecting with someone, um, you know, especially if I'm able to take them to lunch before, after or grab coffee with them, or just, you know, post interview chatting. That's what oftentimes has led to me having a more long-term relationship with my guests. So in that sense, it, it has been harder because I think it's easy to just participate in a zoom call and never hear from me again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, of course you remember me, but we didn't really have as much of a connection. So I, you right. know, in that way I do miss 
doing them in person. And I, I've started to get back to doing some of them in person. It just depends on what's going on with COVID at the time, <laughs> where, you know, where's the guest located, things like that. So it's really just, I've, I've appreciated the convenience of zoom, but I, it's definitely my preference to do them in person. Well, hopefully over the next six months, things really yeah. will get back to quote unquote normal. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> um, but okay. So take us back to, so you had this idea, you decided what you were going to do. How did you bring it up to your firm? Yeah. So I started by talking to my managing shareholder and then one of the partners who I work for primarily, and I should say, I work for both the managing shareholder and this, this one partner, and by the way, shareholder partner, same thing in our firm. And I just basically, I just came and sat in their office. Like I do all the time. And I said, I've got this idea for starting a podcast where I interview other women in the law and we just talk about their careers and, um, yeah. What do, you, what do you think? And both of their reactions were so supportive, but in particular, I remember, um, one of my, one of the mentors saying, this is a brilliant idea. This is a culmination of everything you're good at. It's talking to people, um, be, you know, articulate, you know, interviewing somebody you're, you'll be great at this. What do you need? What do you need from us? What can, what can we do to help you? What support do you need? And so, uh, you know, the, sh the short answer to that question was, I, I think I've got it under control. <laughs> I've got my equipment. I've got, you know, the ball rolling on how do you actually get a podcast podcast published and things like that. So I did all of that stuff on my own. I didn't have anybody from my firm helping me. And, you know, some of the better advice, frankly, that I was given was I considered, does this need to be a Greenberg Troy podcast? Or is it okay that it's just Allison Stewart? And I was told it's okay. It's just Allison Stewart's podcast. And that worked Good. out great because if anybody's worked in a law firm, especially a big one, you know, that there can be a lot of hurdles that you have to overcome just to get like some marketing material out there, right? Like huh? certain people have to sign off on it. And are you using our current theme? Are you using our current logo, blah, 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 things like that. <laughs> I didn't have to deal with all of that. You know, when I was reaching, if I was reaching out to a lawyer at IBM, I wasn't having to go through the relationship. I don't know if IBM is a client, by the way, but if they were, I wasn't right. having to go through the relationship partner for IBM or something like that. It was purely just podcast. It wasn't like business development or client focused or anything like that. So it, that was some of the better advice that I was given was mm -hmm. don't feel, don't feel pressured to make this a GT podcast, um, do this on your own and GT will support you in every, every way that you need. And they really did. I mean, they put their money where their mouth was on that for sure. Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things. Number one to gain from this is definitely when you make your own space, make it your own. Don't you know, it depends on what it is you're doing, obviously, but you don't necessarily have to do it through your employer. Right. And even if you do something through your employer, think through those issues and what makes most sense for you long term. Because number one, though I know you have no plans on leaving GT, at least anytime soon, you never know where you're going to be down the road. And when exactly. you start something and it's really, it's something you care about and you're really passionate to about, that can actually hamstring <laughs> your ability to do other things later. If you do, you know, no, not to say starting it as a GT podcast would have been a bad thing, but it's just something to think about, right? I think you probably chose the right way to do it for you. 
The other thing I would say is people tend to be more supportive of these types of things than you realize. We all get nervous about going to have that conversation of here's something I want to do, <laughs> right? And they were very supportive. It doesn't mean everybody's always going to be supportive, but most of the time when you've got a really interesting idea, you're being more innovative. The powers that be, I like to call them, they're happy with that. They're happy for you to go run with that and do it. And because they're, it's not causing them any additional work. So why not? Right. And it can only yeah. benefit them in the long run. As long as you think through all the potential issues, you talk with them about it. And it sounds like you went step by step with them and said, here's what I want to do. You know, are you on board? Is this okay? You went through the channels that you were supposed to go through and they gave right. you the green light. Yes, exactly. Now, have you had any struggles? Because um, we all know law firms, especially big law, <laughs> can have a lot of hoops at different times. Yeah. Do you have any, or have you just, they've been totally hands off the whole time? I would say they have been hands off the whole time. The only time that anybody from GT has gotten involved has been when there's been like, um, uh, interviews that, that are being done of me. So for example, mm. like publications, when they've done features on me and that was something that GT had arranged and, you know, wow. so they were involved in that regard, but yeah, no, to answer your question, there's not been, there's not been any struggle in the, in regard to GT being too hands-on or anything like that. Well, and I think that goes to show people that if you, you need to think through whether you want to be attached to your employer or not, and yeah. when you do make your own space and you're not you can still tell them what you're doing, partner with them to some extent if you want to and need to, but at least then it's more hands-off. And then yeah. they, they don't they don't care. I mean, they it, it's just all good for them, right? Yeah. So, okay. So you've mentioned that you've had moments of stress. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned yes. that you have to figure out, okay, I still gotta get my work done, even though I might go for several days and be traveling, doing this totally unrelated to my day-to-day -day work stuff. And you also mentioned earlier that you're not about like, you, you want more balance. You want more, like you do not want to be that person that's always tied to mm -hmm. billable hours. <laughs> right. Right. So how do you do it? What are your tips for doing these extra things, getting your work done and not totally stressing out? Yeah. So for me, for the podcast, the way that it worked best was, like I said, I batched them out. So whether mm -hmm. you are, um, you know, wanting to start a website or uh, do more authoring of articles or something like that, I would recommend carving out certain days or times that work best for you to sit down and crank that out. So for me, mm -hmm. that meant doing back-to-back -back interviews over the course of two or three days in one city with of course, trying to get work done in between. I would work in the evenings. I would work in the back of Ubers on long <laughs> trips. Um, I just got it done any way that I could. The other thing, of course, I would ultimately end up working at least probably four hours on the weekends when I would be doing a lot of these podcasts at once. Um, that was just purely a you know time to catch up, time mm -hmm. to release my time. Uh -huh. my time entries, things like that. And then I, I'm also a morning person. So I just like starting earlier when there's not a bunch of emails going off, there's not the phone ringing. And I, I just find that that's the time that I'm most productive. Yeah. All of those things just lent themselves to me being able to do this because 
you know, I, I should say I'm single, I don't have kids. So my schedule is very different than, you know, friends of mine who have all those things going on. So I know I have that luxury, but that, that's not to say just because you're single without kids doesn't mean you don't have stress and you don't have um, the need for taking time for yourself because I do, mm-hmm. I am intentional about that. I, I like to spend time with my family. I like to travel, I guess, to do those types of things. I am on top of tracking my hours, my progress, my to-do list, mm-hmm. communicating with the people that I work with frequently to make sure that there's not any ball that's going to get dropped. That gives me a lot of comfort mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. avoid stress when I'm communicating with everybody else and saying, you know, am I missing anything here? Do I owe you something? You know, sometimes when you have that little sense, that little, <laughs> that feeling inside that's saying, I forgot something, just checking with other people makes you feel a little bit more sane. Right. Um, so those, I don't know, those are just, I don't know if that answers your question, but those are some of the things I do to try to make it. There's a couple of things based on what you've said and also things I already know about you, but (laughs) so full disclosure, everybody, I was a GT lawyer. So this is how I know Allison. That's that's (laughs) the last firm I was at. Um, and we've kind of kept in touch a little bit since then here and there. So I do know a little bit more about you than I do the standard guest, but yeah, something that I think you said is you, you have, you haven't said it this way, but I think this is what you've kind of said. Your billables may not be as high as some people's. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, because sure. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And you've made a very intentional decision to allow for that because this decision to do the podcast is a strategic long-term play for business development, for creating relationships, strong relationships with people in power or like all these things that will reap benefits ultimately to you in the long term when it comes to making partner, building your own business, that kind of thing. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think that's an important thing to understand because there is this craziness going on in the legal world, especially in the big law world that is trickling down to other firms too, where they're paying outrageous amounts to associates. And I'm sorry, guys, it's outrageous. I just, I'm not on board with it, (laughs) but here's why. It's creating pressure to bill, 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 bill. And there's a lot of people who incorrectly then assume that's all they need to do, but they need to focus on their billables, not their own professional development, not spend extra time to learn things so that they can figure out what do I ultimately want to niche into not doing these other things like what you've done to create a better long-term strategy for yourself. And I think a lot of people, a lot of associates, especially get caught up in that and then end up in their sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th years and find out they're not on partnership track Mm -hmm. because it takes more than just billing. There is a lot more to it. And I will tell you, and some big law people may disagree with me because certainly all firms are not exactly the same. But in my experience, a law firm is more likely to promote you to partner if you have good but not great billables, you collect well on those billables, and you have shown that you can actually develop business than if you have amazing billables, but zero 
<laughs> capacity that you've shown to develop your own book of business. So I think there is this, um, a lot of associates that I talk to really just focus way too much on their billables without thinking about these other things. And you still need to be doing and thinking about these other things. Unless your goal is to make as much money as you can for the next five to eight years and then leave. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, right? that's true. Absolutely. And that's, uh, to your point, I'm, <laughs> how much, I mean, how much money do you really need to make? You know, um, I know. I, I'm less concerned, um, about make because really when you do the math, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but when you do the math, an extra 200 hours will get you X amount of dollars as a bonus or salary or whatever. And it usually just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, you're talking, mm -hmm. you might be talking, I, I don't remember what the statistics are, but it comes out to like $12 an hour or something. I mean, it's, uh, it's it, in your sac and you're sacrificing your, I mean, 200 hours, that's a, that's over a month of that's five, I guess, five weeks or so of full-time work. Um, so you really just kind of have to weigh the risk there. Uh, in my opinion, the other thing about contrasting billable hours versus what other type, what other investments are you making with your time? I, I don't just look at the podcast that way, but I also look at, um, serving the clients that I have currently mm -hmm. and really dedicating to myself to them a little bit more when I'm, when I'm choosing what, next case I'm going to take or next project I'm going to take on. I definitely have not gone about my career so far in the, well, how many hours is that going to get me? Can that give me uh -huh. an extra 50 hours this month or overall, where, where is that going to put me? I haven't selected what I do based on that. I've tried to be strategic about I want to keep working for this particular client. I've gotten to know their business. Um, I really like working with their in-house lawyers. I like the partner that, you know, um, serve that serves that client, that type of thing, because it, I feel more responsibility with that approach. And I feel mm -hmm. more loyalty with the firm, with that client. I feel more respect in those instances, most of the time, because it's not just a one and done project or one and done client that I'm work, working with. So that's all to say, aside from just looking at work as the billable hours, I'm also looking at working with the same clients over and over to the extent that I can, because, mm -hmm. um, you know, I already have made that investment. It just makes sense, right? Like I've already yes. learned about their business. I should leverage that knowledge and put it into the next case with them. And that's super smart. So I think there's a mentality shift that I think not all lawyers are good at making that you've, you've done, that you've highlighted here. And that is not really, it's not that you never look at your billables. Cause I mean, the, the nature quote unquote nature of the beast is to, to have a certain number of billables. Yeah. You've got to yeah, earn your keep <laughs> yeah, for sure. But what I figured out and I figured this out as a senior associate and definitely understood it even better as I became a partner was the firm really didn't give a crap at the end of the day, the number of hours I built. What they cared about was the bottom line at the end of the year. How much did I actually collect? And billables are one way to measure that. But at the end of the day, they're not the best way to measure that because you could build 2,400 hours, but only collect 1,900 of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. sure. You could build 2,000 and collect all 2,000. Also, what's your rate, right? So 
it makes a difference. What's the actual number at the end of the year? And that number you're going to achieve, you're going to get there if you have good clients that you enjoy working with because you're going to do then a better job because it's going to give you energy instead of draining you, right? So clients that respect you for who you are as a human, they respect your time, they like you as a person, you like them back, like focusing on that and focusing on building those relationships because then you're going to do a good job and then they're going to want to come back to you and it's more natural, right? And it's easier to get those hours. Then they want to actually pay <laughs> because they value what you're doing. The people that I see that focus mostly just on their billables without looking at it from the mentality that you're talking about often have bigger write-offs and frankly, their whole mentality creates this internal pressure and stress that isn't necessary. I think it's one of the biggest reasons why so many lawyers are unhappy. And yes, there are problems within the industry that need to be dealt with and corrected. But at the end of the day, a lot of those problems are created by how we all think as lawyers. And if you can make that mental shift, you're going to be making a huge step towards letting go of a lot of that. Because a lot of it is there's more internal stuff going on than you realize. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something I just wanted to highlight based on what you said that you've already done, which is so wonderful. And when you make that transition, that mental shift, it kind of opens up the doors for, oh, well, I have more control. I can do all these yes. other things. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, also, I was going to say, <clears throat> going back to your, uh, your point earlier about ha having influence, if I'm thinking of who are some of our, some of our most influential lawyers or, you know, from my level associates, mm -hmm. the ones that come to mind, aren't the ones that are just cranking out billable hours for the sake of cranking them out. <laughs> you know, it's the ones that have been designated as the second in command for a particular client or who have been given great client feedback and um, are, are being called directly nowadays, as opposed to going to the partner. I mean, that is influence. Talk about influence. Yep. That's, you know, that, like I said, it gives them influence with within the firm itself, but this is kind of a cheesy way of thinking about it, but it, it influences themselves, or I, I'm kind of talking about myself here, but for me, it influences me. It drives me, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like I said, having the trust or having the respect of clients and that, and those types of scenarios, because it makes me feel like I'm doing a good job, keeps me going. And that's ultimately, I mean, we all chose to be lawyers for a reason, not, and it wasn't just about making good money, <laughs> right? It's to really provide a valuable service that's needed in this world. We need good lawyers. And I think that if you make that mental shift that you're talking about, it's just, it really does change everything about um, how you view your job, how you show up, the work that you do, your happiness and fulfillment levels. And by, I guarantee all those people that you're thinking of that are more influential as associates, all have that shift. They're not just focusing on their billables. They're focusing on maintaining relationships and doing their best and really letting go of what everybody else thinks of them and just doing the best they possibly can, as opposed to worrying about, oh my God, have I built this? Have I built, you know, they're not worried about that. The billables come when you focus on this other stuff. Exactly. Yeah. The work yeah. will always be there. That's the other thing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's job <laughs> security when you take that approach as well. Yes. Well, and what you're really doing 
is focusing on the long-term viability and strategy of your career mm -hmm. and not just looking at the here and now, this month, this week, this even this year. It's about long-term progression to be a better lawyer, to keep things interesting so that you don't get bored one day to, you know, I mean, you hear lawyers actually say that on board on this. Well, okay, maybe you haven't been approaching things quite the way you should, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? This has been a wonderful conversation. I think this oh, is a good, good place to end it. Okay. Is there anything else that you would like to add before we let you go? I guess if I was going to add something here, it would be just to encourage people to create their own path. If they see one ahead of them to do what they have to do to get it done. You know, there's a lot of people who, when I, you know, that they've heard about the podcast now and they say, they say, I can't believe you've been doing this for a couple of years already. Good for you for actually doing it. Cause a lot mm -hmm. of people have these ideas and then they never go, they never follow through with it. Um, so my advice would be set, you know, set your goals and just take the steps that you actually need to take. That's all, that's all there is to it. I mean, I don't have like some special, you know, magical power <laughs> that I got there. I just did what I had to do. That's all. I mean, it's a real simple, simple mindset. Well, thank you so very much. And I will put in the show notes links of where to find your podcast and where to find you on Instagram and anywhere else. Um, that you want me to put out sure. there because I do think people if you haven't heard of the podcast go listen to it it's really different than all the other lawyer podcasts out there it's definitely more interesting and more inspiring than a lot of them so go thanks listen. Heather you're so welcome <laughs> appreciate it thank you for being here today absolutely Thank you for listening to the Life & Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a follower or subscriber, be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both Life & Law, including the Life & Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.